0: welcome to the thought leader podcast i'm dr ken and i'm randy baker and on the thought leader podcast we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think They're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about, and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics. All right. Without further ado.
1: Nice to talk with you, Oscar. What we were just talking about before the interview here is really fun. So your your first name means the bearer of spears. That's pretty cool. How, How does that inform your life and work?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about it too much until we just talked about it. But I think, really, if you carry the weapons to the battlefield, that means you are helping other people excel. And I think that's my work, really, is to help other people excel, find their inner strength and confidence, and really achieve what they have buried within them. So, so yeah, it might mean that.
1: Now... I also detect, I mean, I know you're an international uh, speaker and so on, but I detect a certain kind of American accent as you're speaking with us. Where is your American accent derived from?
2: It, it comes uh, from America. Yeah. From so which part? Uh, Wisconsin. I actually stayed a year in Wisconsin I was, when I was
1: 16. I was going to guess. Yeah, I was going to guess Chicago or Wisconsin because really? that's where my people are from up there. Okay. Area, so Yeah. It's just the way you say certain things, anyway. Okay,
2: but. well, that, I, I, I can't detect the difference, so that's really nice to hear. You you can. It, it's still my second language, English.
1: So you are a public speaker. I know a bunch of public speakers in Europe. Um, I know sort of the German-speaking world pretty well, and the, the European speakers are rising up really quickly, or they were, until COVID hit. So I'm curious, what has been happening for the last, I guess, what, 18 months during lockdowns and all of that. How have you changed and how has the whole industry been changing?
2: I think there's been a lot of changes. And for me, I mean, except obviously COVID's been a bad thing, but it's pushed me to change my business to go more virtual. And I think it's good when we're getting pushed to do certain new things. Before, many of the clients I would have would always be at home. Uh, I would train them at home how to be better speakers. But now, We have this wonderful tool that we also had before, but we weren't pushed as much to do it, to have these virtual sessions. So I think it's amazing to be able to help and train people all around the world. And what I've discovered is, of course it is a little bit harder to connect through a camera, but it's not that much harder. You just gotta learn the tools and tricks so you can really connect and get a lot of value by using this wonderful medium. And you know what, you save so much time, It's so much easier. So yeah, for me, it's been really transitioning into doing more virtual. So I think I was probably paralyzed for the first two months and I have three small kids. They also had to stay at home. So, you know, it was a little bit hard to change and get creative uh, while they were at home. But I think, uh, yeah, setting it up online and and running webinars, bootcamps, these sort of things can create tremendous value for people.
0: So you're not, just a public speaker, you teach people how to become public speakers, is that
2: yeah, correct? that's in fact a little bit more what I do. I do go out and speak because mm-hmm. I think what we preach we should also do, right? So I, I do both, but what I talk about is how to become a great communicator, or a great speaker. Yeah. How,
0: how does storytelling fit into that process?
2: I would say it pretty much fits into everything because... If you look at a great structure of a talk, it's usually structured like a story. You know, you got to have a hook in the beginning, something that captivates people. You're going to have the struggle. And then ultimately there's a solution and a call to action. So I think the whole talk does have to be in a story format. And then obviously you have to tell good stories inside that story format. And for me, like a lot of people say, oh, go out and tell stories. And I think, sure, go out and tell some stories. That's nice. That's good. But for me, stories are the structure more than the content. Whereas I see people often think it's the content
0: that's the story. Whereas I see it more as a structure. So I, I'm a boring person. I've had a boring <laughs> life. I've got no stories. How, how do I get off on the stage and create a story? That's a good question. And the thing
2: is, we all think we don't have stories. We all think they're not special. And I would say, your stories aren't special. But at some level, they are also very special. Because let's face it, all the stories have been told. But we connect deeply if we hear another person is having a similar kind of struggle, a similar kind of pain. And we then hear, oh, Randy? He used to be in that position. Today he's running this awesome podcast. He's helping these amazing people. And he used to be in this place, whatever place you went, let's say a bad place, uh, and, and your customer, your, the people you're helping, that can relate and say, oh man, he was even worse than me, and he got further. And then that connects and inspires us to take action. So we don't need incredible stories. We don't need stories necessarily to say, I went to Mount Everest and did that. It could be simple, small things that we, once we have lived through them, don't think they're that valuable. But for instance, for me going online and making a video on LinkedIn, that's a huge challenge for a lot of people. And it used to be for me as well. And now that I, for me, it's normal, it's not a problem to put up a video, I think really, is that, yeah, it's not that hard. But, so it's really about, Recognizing that your experiences have value and there are people struggling with that. And that is interesting.
1: So your life is not boring. And I think Randy was, it, what was really fun about that was that Randy's life has been <laughs> boring. But I like the hypothetical Randy who had a boring life. I think that's a good, a, a very good point. So Oscar, yeah. if we go all the way back to uh, I don't know. Twenty five hundred years ago, back to mm. before the days of the were the Vikings around yet? Uh, the,
2: I think they were about probably when they started around six seven hundred something like that after Christ.
1: Yeah. So let's go. Wait. Let's go way, let's go way before back. That. Yeah. Let's yeah. go way back. Okay. Where do you think the DNA for public speaking within you came from? Not just the DNA, but the the desire to kind of help people tell their stories. Do you think that? I always talk about Oog and Boog in their caves. So, tens of thousands of years ago, where do you think the public speaking bug came from? Within you and within humans?
2: It's a good question. For for me, really, public speaking is so much more than just sharing a speech. It's actually a uh, you know a range of personal development. Getting on stage, overcoming that fear, inspiring people—it's it goes so deep. And I think for me, it's really you know when I help people just deliver their talk and their speech, they also grow as a person. So I just see the public speaking like as a tool to grow. But where it comes from, that's a good question. I just love the joy when, when somebody says, that was amazing. Now I know how to make my speech. I know how to write my book, uh, whatever it is. I know how to go out there and share my message it just gives me some sort of satisfaction joy i used to have a work where i'd look mainly into a computer screen and on paper it seemed interesting you know i was working at a university i was being a phd student and working with great professors but i didn't feel any joy of that you know maybe i had two three interesting days a year whereas maybe it's the opposite now two three boring days a year doing this so i i think a lot of us are guided too much in our head. We need to do this rather than also letting go and feeling what feels right. I think that should be the compass. So, yeah, I don't think it, it really answers your question, but I think we should go with what feels good to a large degree.
0: So I've heard people say, you know, make your passion your, your purpose. Um, mm. And then there's other people that say, If your hobby or your passion becomes your business, then it's possible to lose that passion because now it's just hard work. How do you find the balance? How do you personally find the balance? Or has that never been a problem?
2: It's been a big problem. When I started, I uh, made the mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make that is trying to help everybody or almost everybody. So... In Danish, my company that I first started was called The Speakers, meaning that I could go out and speak about pretty much anything. And sure, if you're a good speaker, you can read a couple of books and make a fairly inspiring speech. But you're not going to really attract the clients you need. So I think we need to niche down. And I think it's important to make a choice and really look carefully at yourself and say, can I do this for the next 10 years? And really saying, okay, it's got to be somewhat interesting, at least the next 10 years, because it does take time to get good at your craft. So, for me, it's also been saying no to a lot of things and saying, okay, even though I like this, I love going into learning, how do you accelerate your learning, I love languages, all those sort of things, but, you know, I'm not saying don't study that, but I say focus on one area, get really good at that. And uh, sure, then it becomes sort of part of a work. And sometimes there is a little bit, you gotta read this, you gotta do this. But I think if you start out in a place where the passion's not there, don't go down that road. Yeah, but, but I do think we should realize that, of course, having a business is not just pure pleasure, it is also work. But um, yeah, I, for, for me, it's really
0: looking down and saying,
2: do this one thing.
0: Yeah, do do one thing really, really well. A lot of people forget when they start a business, particularly in the expert industries, coaches, mm. writers, they forget that running a business is actually work in itself. You've, you've got to find clients. You've got to know something about marketing and yeah. selling and bookkeeping and accounting and, you know, who pays the bills and when you build a team, who do you hire first and what do you do and there's lots of other information outside of, or other work outside of what you're really good at. How do you manage all that side, or do you you just do what smart people do, which is employ people to do that?
2: Yeah, so I did what a lot of people do, making mistakes in the beginning, trying to do pretty much everything. That's a bad choice, and obviously you know that, probably most people listening to this, that's a bad choice. So you wanna outsource as much as possible and focus on the core side of your business because that's where you can deliver the most value. For instance, like take, let's take editing of videos. You know, If I have a little bit longer video, that's, then I'll outsource that and pay whatever, you know $20 to have it done and it's a good job. It's a fine job. When you're just starting out, you don't need to hire a guy to pay $200 to have a LinkedIn video. Do something that costs, let's say $10 to $20 you hopefully make more per hour. Plus, what I've also realized is I save energy. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'd rather do the thing I love and, and then spend the energy on that. So it's not just a money thing. It's also save your good energy, not doing the things you don't like. So I'd say go cheap. Find the service you have. You know, if, if you cannot afford uh, an amazing designer to make a web page, find a student. Pay him, you know, a 10 you will probably be happy doing that job and probably you'll get 80% of the results. It might not be the best web page, but you have something to get started on. That's the one thing I would say. The other thing is, I would say it is worth knowing just a tiny bit about everything. You know, so you have a little bit of a feeling and you'll be able to ask good questions. For instance, about editing. I'm not a big editor, but i would probably spent three to five hours studying, editing and the things you can put in, which helps me make questions to my editor I'm not an expert but just knowing a little bit I think is worth doing that yeah so that's kind of my take on it start cheap outsource as much as possible do the thing you love and get good at that
1: so you started out with chemical engineering yeah Um, clearly you made a decision to have you know to pursue a job that has real potential and and earning potential and all of that stability at what point in your childhood did you decide to go that direction instead of clearly you were also probably a child who was like to speak and like to sort of be that person as well? Where, where do you feel like the split happened where you said, OK, I got to get a real job or was that not the case?
2: I think uh, probably for the first six, 17 years, no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, then probably in second year of high school here in Denmark. You know, I, there's something if you do chemistry, physics, math, it's it can be very competitive. It's very easy to measure if you're good at it. I'm fairly competitive. And then I was probably, uh, I know I was looking for validation from my dad. He wasn't the kind of guy that was, you know, giving a lot of validation. So I think like most kids, you're trying to get that appreciation, getting that love. And I knew he cared a lot about scientific classes and, and put a lot of value into that. So without really realizing it, I think I was trying to please him and and prove myself worthy. So I took that degree, did pretty well. And then, you know, I developed and discovered, you know what, maybe you should just follow your own dream
1: rather than your dad's. And after getting your PhD, you and I are in a similar boat. I got a PhD in something unrelated. (laughs) How did Dr. Oscar feel different did it give you more of an ability to then do what you love?
2: Um, you, you surely do get a framework. I mean, even doing a PhD, you, you, you do get like work ethics. Uh, it's a fairly solitary work to do it alone. Sure, you have a supervisor. You can ask for assistance. But being able to work alone, do most of the things alone and discover things alone has certainly helped me. Also, just uh, the whole methodology Like when I'm doing speaker training, I try to see if there are roots connected to science. You know, can you find the articles that can show this, that it's actually true? One of the things, for instance, I preach is you gotta meet your fear, you gotta talk to it. And, you know, most people say, yeah, that's a little woo woo thing. You gotta talk to your fear, it's here, you know, hello, you wanna do me something good? But you can actually find scientific studies that show that people feel better once they've connected to their fear and deal with it. It's kind of like, you know, with both of you, if you talk to a friend about something you have a problem with that that's, you're struggling with, after that talk, even without any advice, you probably feel better a lot of the times. You've just kind of shared your struggle. Nothing happened. That's all you did. You connected with it. So if you can find that, in those articles, that, that can kind of help a few people like, hey, maybe I should give it a try. But also believing in myself, you know, it, it's not that easy to do that work. So, yeah. How about you, Ken? What did it give you? I'd love to hear.
1: Uh, very similar. The way you, you explained that was very apt in my life, too. So, the structures, structures of taking something to its extreme allows you to then, you know, look mm. um, in a different way at the world. And, and also, you're a creative in a linear systematic industry so now you're a creative bringing systems into the creative industry and i'm the same which is neat so if you were to kind of reach out through the i guess ear pods uh (laughs) or headphones as people are listening to this Mm -hmm. and kind of give people a little (laughs) shake and and send them somewhere to see your work or to reach out to you where would you send them
2: well i think the best place is my linkedin profile where i post every week something and you can write your comment we can kind of get in touch obviously there's also my webpage which is a little bit more there are some videos and and some content but it's probably easier to engage with me on my linkedin and my webpage is just my name askalinhalt.com and and similar with linkedin i'm the i think i'm the only one in the world called askalinhalt so if you if you find that in there it should be pretty easy
0: And what would you say to a a budding entrepreneur who is wanting to hit the speaking circuit? What's the one piece of advice you can give them that will get them started?
2: Yeah, I think work on your signature story. Have your passion and get really good with one story, one keynote that you really work in depth. So the problem a lot of people make is they try to go out and do 10 different talks, maybe in one area, Sure, that's better than 10 talks in different areas, but focus on one, because the brain is made so that we can generally only focus on one thing and try to focus on that. So the first time you go out and make a talk, you will most likely focus on the content. So if you've delivered it three to five times, you know the content. After that, you can work on other things and get good at that. And that's what you see great speakers do. A lot of times they might just have three amazing talks. So I'd say get started with that and don't get bored with that one story because
1: people might need
2: it. Probably they do.
1: I love that you have, you have borne the spears to this conversation. <laughs> these, are, these are very piercing and apt and really appreciate talking with you. It's been fun. Me too.
0: This has been such a wonderful conversation today. It was surprising, it was intriguing, it was interesting, and this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader Podcast, and we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com, and at the top you'll see a little button that says take the assessment. In one minute, you can take the assessment and get a response from us, we'll read everyone. All right,
1: take care, have a good life, and we'll see you on the next one. (music) so